Hello, welcome to Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women. I'm Dr. Jackie, owner and founder of Motion Spot LLC and Motion Spot Pediatrics. First order of business, you might have noticed, we have a brand new day and time for our weekly show. New episodes will now be airing on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. The perfect time to listen while you wait in line at school pickup if you're in the East Coast or during your lunch if you're on the West Coast. This new time slot also opened up a few sponsorship opportunities. So if you, your business, your brand want some new exposure, let's talk about sponsoring an episode or two. You can message me for more information on Instagram at my handle motionspotllc or you can send me an email at info at motionspotllc.com. Now on our last episode we talked about screen time and technology for children. I told you a bit about my doctoral research and I ended the episode by saying that there's a lot more to talk about and there definitely is. So I decided that I want to continue that conversation now and really give you as much information as possible, give you the big picture. I'm not going to go into all the details that we talked about on that last episode. If you did not get a chance to listen to it, you can always listen to the replay or catch it on podcasts. That episode was called Screen Free Saturday. So you can look into that and listen to all the information that we went through during that episode. But I will give you just a brief summary to refresh your memories. So first things first, my family is now a almost fully screen free family as far as the children go. I'm not referring to adults. My husband and I still watch TV. We still use our phones, our computers, things like that. But my kids do not have tablets or iPads. They are very, very limited with their screen time. They do get to watch every now and then, but It's extremely limited right now, and a main reason for that is because of the behavioral changes that I saw in my son when he had screen time versus when he did not have screen time, and that was huge. And it it got to a point where it was enough already. I know what's causing these behavioral issues. I know what's causing these excessive tantrums. I, I I knew it was screens. It was very obvious to me. It was not a hypothetical. It was like truly you can tell the difference in his behavior when he had a screen and when he didn't. And it was immediate. Immediately after the screens is when he would have his tantrums and just not have, you know, his good days or good times. So that is why we significantly reduced screen time. So not only did I see the direct results of too much screen time for my child, but my doctoral research also uncovered some additional information about the impact of technology use for children. The most interesting to me, I thought, the real like wow eye-opening moment was the new research is finding that too much screen time, especially for younger children, is actually altering the development of brain matter. So I'm not going to try to explain that or pretend like I know the true, you know, full nuances of what that means. I'm not a neuroscientist, but just knowing that too much of technology for young kids can have an impact on their brain development is enough for me to say, all right, hold on. That sounds important and I should keep this information in mind when I'm deciding how long my kids can watch TV. I also mentioned from my research findings that a lot of quote educational games and toys are marketed this way without any evidence backing those claims, which led me into looking up different features that games and toys should have and should not have 
in order to determine what truly is educational or developmentally beneficial and what is not so much. And this is where I want to focus today. In order for a game or toy to have the most potential for educational benefit, it needs to engage the mind and body as much as possible. The person needs to be as actively involved as they can be. You might have heard the phrase multi-sensory approach. That's what this is referring to. Having a multi-sensory approach means that multiple senses are involved. Sight, hearing, touching, probably not smelling, but you never know, I suppose, right? And then we also have our proprioceptive sense and our vestibular sense, which are our sixth and seventh senses that some people don't know about. Most of us know about the main five, but there are these two additional ones, and they have to do with balance and movement and body awareness. But anyway, so this is something that you should keep in mind when you are picking toys, picking games for your child, right? Are the features interactive? Are they making your child engage in multiple different ways? Or is it more of a sedentary, the child is just looking at the object type of situation? So that is why something like a tablet phone, you know, TV, looking at those shows, that's a big reason why they end up not being so developmentally beneficial because they're primarily engaging just the sight, our sense of sight and our sense of hearing, but the body and the mind really don't need to do anything in order for this game or this, you know, form of entertainment to work. All we have to do is sit there. So it's a very sedentary activity in mind and body. Whereas most low-tech toys and games, you have to be involved. Your body or your mind have to be involved. And that makes it not so sedentary. Even if this game, you know, you're not going to be running all around So I don't necessarily mean that your body has to be running and jumping and skipping and hopping and twirling, right? But if you need to be thinking about some things, you need to think, you know, what's my next move? Or even if you have to roll a die or pick up a card, right? These are body movements that are involved throughout the game, throughout the use of the toy, pushing a button, you know, will maybe turn on the the game, or the the sounds of the game, you know, something like that, squeezing this, pushing that, tickling this other thing. Those games are okay. They're not the best, in my opinion, but it's like the, I would say like the bottom tier option, it's really doing like the minimal because you do have to be involved in that extra component of tactile touch, right? And you need to have some muscle engagement to press or to squeeze to activate that toy or game so as far as that kind of development goes it is okay but as far as educationally goes and I mentioned this on my previous episode it's not going to be so much educational for the child because they might not be able to make the connection of whatever that toy says like those stuffed animals you know you squeeze the foot and it says you know my foot's blue But if the child doesn't know that they just what they squeezed is a foot, they might not connect. Oh, the color that I just touched here is blue. Or if they hear the toy saying my foot is blue, but they've never heard those words before of blue as in color and foot as in this body part, right? They're not going to make that connection. So that's where having an adult involved in playing this game or toy is also helpful and again that I talked about in our previous episode as well the importance of adult participation during child's play especially during high-tech play because of exactly what I just described during this higher tech play especially a screen time situation your body and mind are not as actively engaged 
And so having an adult there to talk, to point out what's on the screen, to help make those connections, that will turn this otherwise sedentary or almost sedentary activity into non-sedentary or not as sedentary a time because now the mind is going to start to be engaged a bit more during these discussions and connections. Plus it adds a whole nother component of socialization to this otherwise solo situation. Now, if you, as the mom, need your child to be occupied and entertained on their own while you get something done, I'd recommend a low-tech, open-ended toy. A quick refresher, open-ended means that there aren't preset rules for how to play with that toy. The player can make up their own rules, make up their own game, and use their imagination. Now, if you're thinking, but Dr. Jackie, I need my kid to just sit for an hour while I work, and TV is the only way that they will do that, hear me out, because I hear you, I see you, I know exactly what you mean. TV is highly captivating. It is so encompassing of the person watching, because it can take us out of our world and just put us in a trance, right? But now think about this. Your child is not actually being actively engaged during TV time. They're being almost hypnotized by the visuals. The noises coming from the TV are just filling their auditory space without providing much value. And then Think about how impossible it can be to transition them out of this activity. With low-tech play, you won't need to transition them. They can play literally as long as they want. The only reason to stop them would be if they need to eat or go to bed or go to the bathroom. Maybe they have homework to do or you're leaving to go somewhere. But you do not have to put a time limit on open-ended low-tech play. Or close-ended, by the way. So, how do you get your child to play for so long? If you're listening to this, I'm assuming screens have already been introduced. So, my saying, oh, just don't introduce screens or delay as long as possible is not so helpful. But if you have multiple kids and the youngest hasn't been introduced yet, I definitely recommend delaying. Because the level of stimulation that comes from screens is so high that lower tech things won't be as stimulating. They'll just never be as, quote, fun. And thus, they will not be entertained or interested in them for a long time. It's like if you try an apple pie and it's just the best apple pie you've ever had. You're going to compare every future apple pie to this one. And if it's not as perfect... If it's not as delicious, it'll seem mediocre, not good, you won't like it, and you'll continue to try finding another perfect apple pie. So now, if you have introduced screens already, decrease the time allowed and start replacing TV time with other things that your child loves to do. I've mentioned that we started doing this by playing with a wooden train set that my son loves but hadn't played with in a while since the TV took over. That worked really well for us. More recently, and now that he's a little bit older too, I started baking with him and he seems to enjoy that a lot, especially if he gets to decorate cookies or something along those lines. And now, with time, as you decrease screen use, you should see improvements in independent play, in behavior, and maybe even with sleep. And as these positive changes are happening, your child will be essentially practicing their imagination skills, practicing their independent play skills. They're going to get really good at it. And they're going to enjoy playing on their own, giving you the time you need to get things done without feeling guilty for using TV as a babysitter. Some of my three-year-old's favorite things right now to do independent 
play with, imaginative play. He really loves his stuffed animals, especially the ones that are from Disney. He loves Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy. He has all of those. So he loves those stuffed animals. And he also really enjoys his Little People set. And he has some of them that are animals, some that are human people, I suppose. And then he also has Sesame Street figurines, and he has some Cocoa Melon little dollies. So he loves playing with those as well, and he's setting up different scenarios. I think he basically talks about his day, like what happened in school, or he'll like imitate conversations that his teachers have had or that my husband and I have had. So he loves doing things like that with his stuffed animals and his little people and Sesame Street figurines. So that type of play is imaginative, but it's also imitative play where he's acting out what he has seen through the day or heard through the day and acting them out through his toys. So that's a really cool skill as well and something that I always love watching him do. He also loves building with his blocks. If you are not sure what kind of blocks to get, if you happen to be remodeling your deck, or even if not, I guess, you can go to different stores, like different improvement stores, like a Lowe's or a Home Depot or smaller owned businesses, and they'll give you composite, like deck composite pieces. They'll give you samples of different colors and companies, and we ended up just keeping all of the samples while we were making our deck. And now he uses those as his building blocks, which he loves to make towers and things, and of course knocking them down. He also loves magnet tiles, if you've heard of those little magnetic tiles. He loves building towers and blocks of like these cubes. I think he made like a parking garage the other day, which was really cool. He put his little Mickey and Minnie cars inside of the magnet tiles so he made like a garage it was really cool to see his imagination and his skills i guess his building skills so that was very cool so those are just a few of his favorites that he can play with on his own we also have them accessible to him so he knows where they're located and he knows that he, he can get them out he knows how to get them out sometimes he might need help getting the magnet tile bag out if it's too heavy or if it's a little bit high up or like hidden underneath something, you know, so we can help him get it. But otherwise, these open-ended toys are easily accessible for him. So he doesn't even need to ask me for help to get them out. He can just go and play with them right on his own. He also loves a variety of books. There are a few that are his favorite, which my husband reads to him basically every night. And he'll go to get those books by himself and will read out loud he's obviously not actually reading he's really just like memorizing the story and saying it but it's very cute to watch sometimes he'll read it to his little sister and that's always really sweet to to hear as well and again during all of that time he's being completely independent and i'm able to do whatever it is that i need to do also keep in mind especially for very young children their attention spans are short so they really shouldn't be expected to be entertained by one thing for a very long time. It's perfectly normal for them to get seemingly bored with a toy after a few seconds or minutes. It doesn't mean that your child needs something more stimulating like TV. I've heard there is some like supposed sensory show for babies. I'm not really sure what makes it sensory other than your eyes are watching it. In that case, I guess every TV show could be considered a sensory show. It's apparently like this dancing fruit thing. I've never seen it. I imagine it's kind of like a screensaver maybe type of movement and the fruits move around the screen. What's better though than watching dancing fruit but has a similar level of stimulation looking out the window or for babies too, looking in the mirror 
Now, with looking out the window, especially if it's raining or snowing, maybe the kids are playing in the yard or dogs are being walked, something exciting is happening outside that will be just as entertaining as fruit on TV. Or looking in a mirror, kids love to look at themselves in the mirror, and as they move around, they're essentially entertaining themselves watching their own movements plus they're recognizing you know who they are they're able to see their body move that's going to be helpful with the development of their proprioceptive and vestibular senses if there's anything else in the environment that they can see in the mirror toys or people walking by that they see that reflection in the mirror that is the same type of entertainment level as these dancing fruits so I hope now you're getting a better idea of alternatives to screen time for a couple of different age groups. I think the current time, this technology, this age of technology, I think we forget that there are other options. TV, phones, tablet, they're not our only choice. Instead, I would use them more as a last resort instead of that first option. And in case you're not entirely sure what I mean by that, here are a couple of real life examples. Let's say you're out to dinner with your kids and some friends. You sit at the table, kids are laughing, adults are chatting, water is poured, bread is served, everyone is happy, kids are eating their bread, you order your food, and your kids announce, I'm all done! And before the main course is even out, cue the chaos. After a minute of this, a lot of people's first reaction is to whip out their phone, hand it to their kids so they keep quiet, right? Quickly kind of shut their kid up, quiet them down, have them sit still so that nobody in the restaurant is disturbed, nobody notices, you're not embarrassed, all eyes aren't on you, plus then you can also enjoy yourself. Right? Some people will even say, well, at least it was fine for a few minutes. You know, we did what we could, and this phone now is our only option. So sometimes people think that that really is, you know, that last resort option is the phone. But actually, you haven't exhausted all of your options. Is that actually your only option left? So what I started to do, I started packing a few small toys that are easy to travel with. I stuck them in the diaper bag, small things that I know my toddler will actually enjoy, and maybe a book or two, a couple of his favorite books that I know keep him occupied for a while that are, again, on the smaller side, so it can just fit easily into the diaper bag. And I give my son these activities one by one, as he starts entering that chaos, right, I'll give them to him first before giving him the phone. And typically, I'll be able to delay that phone for at least half an hour mm, on average, let's say. Maybe not typically, but let's say on average for a 30 minute period, he will be entertained by these toys or books. There have definitely been times where no phone is given at all, and there have been times where the toys and books really weren't cutting it, and at that point, phone was given within maybe 10 minutes. But the point is, there is another option. There's a step in between that initial chaos and handing over the phone or tablet. You can also ask for a children's menu if you weren't given one right away. I'd say most restaurants have one. It might not always be a placemat that you can color on, but it might be a separate menu that's a bit more fun and colorful with more pictures than the regular one. And this can also be an option to keep in mind if you forget the toys or books from home. Your kiddo might also just enjoy holding a regular menu, looking at the menu, seeing if there are pictures. Maybe they'll recognize some letters that are on there. Okay, another real-life scenario. You are out and about, and the baby starts getting very fussy. And instead of trying to throw on a video and wave it in front of your baby's face, maybe try a rattle or a teething toy or keeping a baby wearer or a wrap in your car and transitioning baby out of the stroller and wearing them instead if you still have a lot to finish up, if you're not ready to go home. Honestly, sometimes I just opt to leave early if it really gets bad with my baby. 
But with her, I will not give her the phone as a distraction. It would be like taking one sip of water when you're extremely thirsty, and that first instant, that sip felt great in the moment, but once it's gone and worn off, you're still very thirsty and maybe even more so. So once that phone would get taken away, now the baby is upset about whatever they were upset with previously, and also angry that the phone was taken away. So good luck dealing with that. And this is why I often do not let other people give my children phone, TV, or tablet. In the moment, there might be peace, but once that ends, I'm the one that has to deal with the aftermath. And I feel like grandparents are huge culprits of this. They'll just whip out their phone to give to your child, right? To give to their grandchild. Somehow they raised their children, meaning us, right? You, me, without these phones and videos, But now that they're grandparents, I don't know, I guess they forgot that. And they know that phones are very captivating, so they just try to throw it in front of the kid. And I know my parents, if you're listening, sorry mom and dad, you do this often. Um, Well, they'll give or try to give my baby a phone. Not give her, but like turn on a YouTube video for kids and like wave it in front of her face to try to calm her down. Where... Like, that's not how I want my baby to be calmed down. It would work in the moment, but again, well, first of all, it might not even work in the moment, but if it works in the moment, it's not a solution to her problem. She still wants or needs whatever it is that she wanted or needed the way, like, the reason that she was getting fussy in the first place, but now I just have to deal with the tantrum that would come after the phone is inevitably taken away, right? And with my son, we try to delay screens as much as possible and really not let him have them so if we are especially at you know my parents house their tv is on all the time or if we're at my sister's house her tv is on often and then my son starts demanding the videos that he wants or the things that he wants to watch instead of you know just letting the tv play whatever it plays and that's a whole nother component to why we are significantly low screen time in our family why we have significantly low amount of time that we're on screens with my son especially a lot of it does have to do with his personality right so everything that I am saying all of the information that I'm giving like the research that's all everything that I found during my doctoral research but the real examples the life examples and the stories that's based on my son my kids and some of it is because of his personality that perhaps something worked or something didn't work so also keep that in mind if you're going to try any of the tips that I've provided keep in mind that I have you know geared them towards my specific child so your child might need things done a little bit differently right also like I mentioned my son just like he can't handle screens he is a very big personality. He's very sweet. He's very silly. He's very funny. He's a very kind boy, but he is a big personality and he can be very demanding. People always tell me like, oh, he's going to be a lawyer or a politician one day, right? And he's three years old. So if you can imagine that a lawyer or a politician at three years old, plus his age being what they call a three-nager, right? So that's, that could be a lot. (laughs) But anyway, it's because he has this strong-willed personality that we also don't have screens around him because if he sees that somebody else is on a screen or device or you know watching tv he's gonna want what they have but and just put on whatever it is that he wants so that's another reason that our tv stays off because if we were to put on you know the news he's gonna see the tv is on and he's just gonna demand to watch his show so that's just another reason why we don't even have it on at all like not even if you know not just because we don't want him watching certain things or we don't want him watching tv but also because if he hears it or sees it he's just gonna you know take charge of it control it and when he was watching tv when we did let him have more i wouldn't say full free reign of the tv but you know more free than he is now when he had that opportunity he would again, become very demanding. He was very specific in the videos that he wanted to watch. And if we didn't find the exact one, there would be a tantrum. At first, right, he enjoyed watching anything we put on. But then 
once he kind of learned like oh you know i'm in charge here i can control the tv or like this video isn't special anymore right he wants a particular one he only wanted to listen to specific versions of specific songs so it became just too much and really defeated the purpose of letting him you know do something fun and relaxing of watching tv because for him it wasn't fun and relaxing for him it turned into almost like a stressful situation if he didn't get what he wanted if he didn't find the right video right there would be a tantrum even during the viewing of the tv so while some people give screens and i'm not saying this is you know the best thing to do while some people give a screen to kind of you know distract a tantrum or you know delay having to deal with the tantrum for us it turned into like even if we wanted to do that it was pointless because he would have a tantrum while watching tv if he didn't have the specific show or version of the song or show that he wanted so really made no point you know there was just no point for us to continue with it he just again couldn't handle it not during or after sometimes not before either like he would get rude in his asking of of it he would not ask he would demand and i don't accept that so these are just all the reasons why we are decreasing and why we have decreased my son's tv time screen time just in general it's extremely limited now so maybe for children that you know aren't as demanding in the way that my son is perhaps there are other methods that can work with your child in that case where you can you know decrease screens without eliminating them fully perhaps if your child responds well to just setting that you know 10 minutes and when the alarm goes off in 10 minutes then it's all done screens something like that could be very effective again for my child with screens it's hit or miss sometimes it works but in the past when he had screens almost daily that 10 minute timer did not work now that he rarely has them which might feel a little opposite it might sound backwards but now that he rarely has those screens when we set a timer or when we give that limit of okay this activity is going to end we're going to move on he actually is much better at ending that activity and moving on I'm not sure exactly why. I have a feeling it might be something to do with how the research alluded to the fact that screens impact behavioral changes and brain development. So I'm thinking that if you are exposed to something that is negatively impacting your behavior, right, if you're exposed to it more, then your behavior is going to be worse just overall. And if you are exposed to it less, then your behavior will not be, you know, as bad. So I think that's kind of, I I think, right, this is just my opinion. I'm thinking that's why the less screen time he has, the better behaved he is during and after having some screen time, as opposed to when he has it often, then the behavior during and after is not as great. And it's extremely noticeable. So that's what I'm thinking as far as the reason behind it. Before we move on from this topic, for now anyway, I do want to share a quick story about current events. So overall, you know, I'm going to call it a parenting win. As I've mentioned, we've told our son for about a year now that our TV in the living room and in the basement, that those TVs are broken. And he continues, thank God, to be satisfied with that explanation for why he can't watch tv sometimes he'll randomly say tv broken but he hasn't asked to watch these tvs in a very long time like months and months so anyway my husband and i went out for a date last week for my birthday leaving our kids with my parents and it was for a few hours we were gone we went for a date day so they came right at nap time And we turned the TV on for background noise for the baby while she slept and also to keep my dad entertained. And my parents, they know that my son thinks our TV is broken, but I did forget to remind them before we left. And so what I usually do when I'm the one who's home during nap time, my my husband and I, what we do during the weekends, we'll put our son down for his nap and he sleeps in his bed in his room and the baby isn't on such a 
schedule, I guess. She has somewhat of a routine, but she's not on as predictable of a schedule, and she's not yet taking naps in her crib since she is not as predictable, so we don't want her to wake my son up. So we keep her with us downstairs and she naps downstairs either in this like indoor stroller thing that we have or in the pack and play you know whatever there are options for her so that's why we keep the tv on so that we don't have to be quiet as a mouse we just have it on as background noise or sometimes we'll play the alexa for her to have background noise and then when my son wakes up from his nap we turn the tv off and then if my baby is still sleeping then my son usually turns into the background noise for the remainder of my daughter's nap, which obviously is not much longer once my toddler is up. But again, anyway, so as you might have guessed, my parents kept the TV on even after my toddler woke up. And the first thought that my husband and I had when we realized that was, oh no, all that work for the last year ruined in a single afternoon. And to my surprise, this is what happened. My dad was watching the news and then some game show when we got home, and my son was playing. He looked up a few times, but was overall completely unfazed, just not bothered or affected, not especially interested in whatever my dad was watching, and shockingly, didn't demand my dad change the channel. I asked how he reacted initially when he came downstairs after his nap and saw the TV on. My dad said my son told him, TV broken, and then he went to have a snack and play with his toys. He seriously, like, he didn't even seem to care about the TV. He was more interested in playing, and I was beyond relieved, surprised, and just so proud of him. And when we're at my parents' house and the TV's on, my son does ask for a certain show or video to be turned on. Same with if we're at my sister's house and the TV's on, he does demand these things. So I found it very interesting that in his house and, you know, in our home, when he saw the TV was on, he did not make any demands, but instead played with his toys. So maybe when we're at my parents' house or my sister's house, he asks for TV because his favorite toys aren't around. I'm not entirely sure, you know, why or what happened. Maybe it was just a weird post-nap fluke. But either way, I was very relieved that all of our hard work was not ruined in that one afternoon. And since that day when the TV was magically fixed by my dad for a little bit, my son has not asked for the TV. He just randomly will say TV broken and he still hasn't asked for it. So... I guess it's still working, telling him the TV is broken, but also he worked up his independent play skills so well and his imagination skills that he's more interested in doing that than in watching the TV with my dad or in asking him to change the channel. So I thought that was pretty incredible and again, a huge parenting win in my book. Oh, one more story. I know I said that was the last one before we move on, but I just thought of something else that could be potentially useful for some of you or relatable. So the other thing that's been happening is, I believe I mentioned it maybe a previous episode or maybe earlier this hour, who can remember? (laughs) But my husband had changed his work schedule, and so now a couple days a week in the morning... My son wakes up after my husband has already gone to work. But for a while now, my husband's the one who was getting my son up in the morning. So he got used to having his dad there in the morning. And now that he's not there, my son does not love that. And he has, you know, a little bit of a meltdown in the morning when I walk in, especially after I tell him that daddy's already at work. And a couple times, like the only way that we were able to calm him down, that I... I don't know why I said we, it was me. The only way that I was able to calm him down, since I also have my baby and she has her needs too, the only way that we were able to calm my son down was to call my husband, to FaceTime him. So I did that. It worked. He got to, you know, talk to his dad. My husband was able to calm my son down, tell him, you know, daddy's at work, but I'll see you later. You're a good boy. We're going to have fun when I get home, you know, yada, yada. And I had to change my baby's diaper, so I let my son hold the phone 
while he FaceTimed, and we don't usually let my son hold the phone because he ends up just going on YouTube. Not sure how a three-year-old knows how to do that. He figured that out when he was two, if not sooner. So anyway, side note. Uh, so I gave him the phone, right? And after I was done, I with changing my diaper, my diaper, no, not my diaper, my baby's diaper. After I was done changing her, I took the phone back from my son and the phone call ended. And since he had had the phone for a few minutes, he wanted it back, right? So he said, you know, I want mama's phone. And then he started demanding it. And I was like, you know, that's not how you ask nicely. So he started saying then, you know, I want to say please and I'll have mommy's phone. I want to say please have mommy's phone. So now he's starting to learn that, you know, if he wants something like my phone, which he doesn't get often, he has to be polite and say please. Um, But another layer that we added, because I don't always just give him, you know, just because you say please doesn't mean you can just have whatever you want. So what I was doing then was telling him that you know if he cleans up his toys cleans up his mess then he can use my phone watch my phone watch videos for five to ten minutes before we leave for daycare in the morning so I did that once it kind of worked he like didn't really get what I was saying we're still really trying to get him to clean up after himself so he did not get my phone that time but yesterday morning he said I want to say please have mommy phone I said, no, we're going to leave soon. And he said, I want to say please. And I said, that's great. You want to say please, but you're not getting mommy's phone. And then, to my surprise, first time ever, he said, I want to clean up and then I'll say please and I'll have mommy's phone. And I said, you're going to clean up? And he said, yeah. And so I said, okay, if you can clean up and then you ask nice, then you can watch a few videos. And he did. He cleaned up his toys. It took him a little while, and he got distracted, which I was totally fine with because he was, like, cleaning up but also still playing. And then at some point, he cleaned his toys, all of them, actually cleaned up. I was very proud. I gave him a lot of praise, and he got that reward of getting to watch a couple of videos before we left. It was about five minutes, and then when the alarm went off, five minutes were up, he handed me the phone back, and we went on to daycare, so another mom win as far as the screens go, right, I didn't hand it over, he knows now, he cannot just demand and have tantrums or be rude to get a screen, or really get anything, but this episode is about technology and screens, And so he knows he has to ask nicely or he, you know, it's kind of a reward for him. So he has to do something like clean up his toys. So some people would say, you know, it's better not to have special things actually be rewards, that that makes people want it more. I've heard that for like dessert, that it's better to instead of using dessert to like bribe a kid to eat their dinner, to instead put a little bit on their plate so it's not something special and not something that they ask for. I guess it's kind of like a reverse psychology. I'm not sure how well that would work for my son with screens because, again, he is very persistent and just his personality, I feel like he wouldn't... I don't know if that he wouldn't get it so much as he just would, like, stick with it forever. Like, he would just watch it. I don't think it would become something that he gets desensitized from and then finds, like, uninteresting. Um, I don't know if anybody would actually, but I, I don't know. That's not, that's not my research and that's not what I know, but I'm just saying in general, like there's like kind of the two theories that I've heard parents use for various things, either making something special and a reward as, you know, for accomplishing something or doing something that they were supposed to do and I've also heard it as you know you actually don't want to make things special like that and you want to keep them like desensitized so just a couple of options for you to think about when it comes to anything that your child might be wanting how to handle it and also how to kind of get what you need out of that situation as well for me I needed my son to clean up the toys that saved me a few minutes that day, right? And I have my baby also, so it's not always so easy or fun or fair for me to just constantly be cleaning up his toys all throughout the day. So the fact that he was able to do that on his own was fabulous, and I was happy to reward him for that behavior. And 
he also gave me the phone very nicely on his own when it was done. He didn't demand for more time. He didn't, you know, hold it and like run away or say, no, it's mine. I want to keep it right. He gave it to me right away. And I praised him for that too. So overall, a lot of parenting wins going on in my book. And with that story, I will wrap up this topic of screens and technology, toddlers and technology, children and technology. Perhaps we'll bring it up again another day. If you have questions, concerns, you want to talk anything through as far as the amount of screen time that your kids are getting or the kind of toys they're playing with, if you need any recommendations, you can always ask and I will be happy to do my best to help you. You can email me, drjackie at motionspotllc.com. That's D-R-J-A-C-K-I-E at M-O-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-T-L-L-C dot com. Or you can send me a message on Instagram to either of the pages, either motionspotllc or motion spot pediatrics. But overall, just remember that when it comes to child play and development and what your children are playing with or seeing, if you're going for toys, try and make sure that they have components that make your child an active participant while playing with them instead of something that they just sit and stare at. Um, Something like blocks are great, puzzles are great. They're both requiring the child to be actively engaged, actively participating in order to play with them. Same with something like dolls or action figures, right? We know that dolls, action figures, and uh, blocks, they're all part of open-ended play, whereas puzzles and most books are part of close-ended style play. Both options are good. It's good for your kid to go through both types of play. They each have their own benefits to them, which is why it is important to take turns between open and close-ended instead of just having one style play all the time. When it comes to independent play, your child can play independently during open or closed time play, but it is just not recommended for your kiddo to be taking part in independent play if they are using something that is a high-tech toy or on a screen of some kind or watching a video. During those play opportunities, that is when an adult should be there, when a parent should be involved in order to create a more dynamic play environment, to have some communication involved, and thus make it go from sedentary to a more active situation. Not necessarily, again, physically active, but at least mentally and socially stimulating. So that's just a quick wrap-up, a quick summary of all the things that I mentioned over these last two weeks. I hope it brought you a lot of hopefully new information but also just giving you some details to think about when you're selecting toys for your kids when you are setting up play opportunities for them just some things to keep in mind and so that you can you know feel confident in your parenting choices again always reach out if you have questions or concerns i'm happy to try my best to answer and help you out with those Otherwise, we'll move on from this topic finally, right? For now, anyway. In other news, what's going on in my world, we are trying to transition the baby out of her bassinet and into a crib for sleep. Um, I will let you know how that's going next time, since we only have about 10 minutes left here. I will start by saying that it has not gone super well. In a way, it was better than my son. In another way, it wasn't. We've had one night so far, and she fell asleep, like, basically very quickly, but she slept for about three hours and then woke up 
and then went back into her bassinet for the rest of the night. So, you know, kind of a win, kind of not a total win. We also have to have her in our room right now because she doesn't sleep through the night. And if she's in her own room, then we risk her waking up my son. And that'll just make nighttime all the more horrible, all the more difficult. So we're still trying to figure out exactly what to do and how to ease this transition for everybody involved. But again, I'll give you more of an update on how that's going next time. We're also trying to get her to take naps in her crib instead of in the stroller bassinet that she has been in. It's not that the stroller bassinet is a problem per se, so much as I would like her in an isolated room when she is napping so that she can sleep and wake up on her own time as opposed to risking us waking her up or not being able to, you know, move around and make noise and talk and things like that because we'll risk waking her up. So those are things that we're working on with her. With my son, like I mentioned, we're working on having him clean up after himself. We are still working on potty training. No real progress with that. Hopefully next time there will be something new to report. And I hope you're enjoying this show at the new hour. I hope it's a more convenient time for you to listen. Again, if you ever miss a show, you can always catch up on a replay through the week or on podcasts. If you are interested in being a guest on this show or having your company or your brand sponsor an episode, I do have a few opportunities available over the next month or so. So if you want more information about that, please message me on Instagram at motionspotllc. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to remind all of you to breathe today and through the rest of the week. Let's do this together now. We'll take a breath in and release. One more time in. Release. Not sure why exactly, but just being reminded to breathe. I find to be very helpful and I think something I'll start incorporating into my shows because I'm telling you I just did two breaths and I actually feel almost instantly more relaxed and just ready to conquer the rest of the afternoon. So I think that's something that I'll be incorporating more of into my day and into my show as well as drinking more water and making sure I stay hydrated. That is also something that I need to be reminded of to make sure I'm doing enough of and doing consistently. So this is your reminder as well. Make sure you stay hydrated. Make sure you drink plenty of water, plenty of fluids and liquids, especially right now during the icky winter cold and flu season. It's incredibly important to stay hydrated. Alrighty, I think we're going to start wrapping it up for today's episode not sure if the breaths made me relaxed, too relaxed, and sleepy. I'm also a bit sleep-deprived, as you know. For whatever reason, I just do not meet kids who sleep in their bassinet or in their crib. Hopefully, though, the crib will get better. My son obviously sleeps, so there is hope that my daughter will start to sleep as well. At least in the, you know, I, I hope, I pray, near future. But anyway... That is all for this week's episode. I hope you got some useful tips and information and insights from this past hour together. You've been listening to Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women. I'm Dr. Jackie. Bye-bye for now.